Welcome to the Psychotherapy Central podcast where we discuss love, attachment and healing from trauma. A place where you can gain the knowledge, tools and wisdom to help you build secure, flourishing relationships. I'm your host, clinical psychotherapist and couples therapist, Jennifer Newrick. Welcome. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Welcome back to the room in my home that we call the healing room. And welcome to summer. We have today is going to go up to 21 degrees Celsius. Really feels like summer is coming in Sydney and I definitely have that. Oh, summer is summer is coming. There's just so much freedom and outdoorsness that happens in Sydney, Australia with that. And maybe I especially love it coming from the UK where the weather was very different and it is not mythology about the rain in England. So welcome into my um, special space. So today we're on episode 18 where we're going to discuss one of my favorite topics, which is the anxious avoidant dynamic. Now, why is it one of my favorite topics? For two reasons. Number one, it brings a lot of couples into therapy. Number two, it's a dynamic that I play out in my own relationship. So I get really curious about it from the inside, but also from the outside. So if you're not sure what I mean by anxious and avoidant dynamic, episode one to four in the podcast series and on YouTube, take you through the different attachment styles and discuss attachment theory in detail. But here's a brief overview, but you can take a pause and go and listen to episode wonderful and then jump back if you feel to. When we have the anxious attachment adaptation, and I always call it an adaptation because it's been formed in the fire of relationship in order to get our needs met. So when we have the anxious adaptation, there is a greater need for connection. And there's this tendency to be hypervigilant because in the past, it hasn't, their safe haven, their safe person hasn't necessarily been safe and consistent. All has been um, too much sort of helicopter parenting and it's been a little bit, um, yeah, too... There's been a lot of anxiety in my in the parent, which is then passed down to the child and who learns that either I'm not okay and I need to be anxious or the world's not okay and I need to be anxious. So it just hasn't been safe and consistent. And so if it's not safe and consistent, then my nervous system needs to live in more of a fight or flight sympathetic activation to make sure that my needs get met. Okay, so they like more closeness relationally. Now the avoidance style is exactly the opposite. They like more relational distance. They need more privacy, more space. Might not even prioritize relationships, not, and definitely not as much often as the anxious person. So when we have an avoidant and an avoidant in a relationship, there's not much energy to keep them together right? So often the relational distance is like this, and often there's not a lot of glue sticking them together. So they often kind of fall away. Now, when an anxious and an avoidant meet up, there are certain parts of that dynamic that can be very attractive to the other person in the beginning. 
I have a whole episode on this, episode number 14, called Six Reasons You Are Attracted to Avoidant or Unavailable Men that really explains that dynamic. So um, jump over and give it a listen. It's in the show notes when, when you finish. So this dynamic of the anxious avoidant is a known phenomena in couple therapy. It's called the pursuer-withdrawer cycle. And that was, um, I know it as a term from Sue Johnson and her work with emotionally focused therapy, emotionally focused couple therapy, EFT. And it's where the pursuer is the anxious partner. So they move closer. And the withdrawer is the avoidant partner. Their tendency is to withdraw. So again, in terms of relational distance, anxious, let's get close, avoidant, oh, that's too close, let's move further away. So I'm going to take you through the four steps of this cycle. So often the person to make the first move is often the anxious partner who will feel like there's too much space here, I'm going to move closer. And that might set off the avoidant person's inner alarm system. And their nervous system, their amazing nervous system, might get activated in order to keep you safe. It feels like there's something about this that just doesn't feel safe to me. Even if there's no real threat, the nervous system has perceived a threat, that someone is too close, and so their automatic reaction will be to move further away. Step two. The avoidant takes a step back so they can feel safe. And that might look like going out with friends, burying myself in my work. Uh, It might look like retreating into their office, um, ending the conversation quite abruptly, different ways. Step three, when the avoidant person steps back, that triggers the anxious partner's inner alarm system. And your autonomic nervous system senses danger and goes into sympathetic activation, which is that fight or flight. (gasps) Something's not okay. I need to ramp up to close that gap. Okay, so it might look like showing distress to your partner in lots of different ways. It could be you find yourself kind of throwing a tantrum or you become very cold towards them. Um, Lots of different ways that that can play out. You might tell them how cold they are how avoidant they are. But know when this happens that you've time traveled, that your danger detector is busy looking through your history files to see how to respond to this situation where you're feeling your, where you're feeling your primary attachment figure move away. And the tendency will be to respond as you would have done in that time where you've time traveled too which is often really outdated and might be too strong, too loud, too much for the current situation that you're in in present day. So you, so the anxious person has this reaction. Step four, the avoidant person might judge that as it's too much, you're overreacting, it's too, you're being too critical. And so what they might do is become very rational, um, become quite critical, become um, even a little bit persecutory, is that a word, Um, as a way to defend themselves and to distance themselves even more. 
Now, what happens when the avoidant person distances more? You got it. The anxious person gets more anxious. Their inner alarm system gets um, goes off even more loudly and they want to step forward again. And they'll do that in different ways. And I have so much compassion, so much compassion for this dynamic because it's one that I've lived over and over again. And it's not the fault of either person, um, especially uh, for the anxious. It can be very easy to blame the avoidant. You know, it's their fault. They're not open to talking. They go off. But it is their nervous system's automatic response in the same way as it's your nervous system's automatic response to ramp up. So the cycle continues and it is a painful cycle that brings a lot of couples into couple therapy. Remembering it is your nervous system's natural way of trying to keep you both safe. It's just unfortunate that in this dynamic, it's triggering for both of you. So the big question that's in the title of this podcast can it work? Jen, the anxious avoidant dynamic, can it work? And my answer is yes, it can work. And I know that it can work because I've been in this dynamic. We've been married for 18 years, um, together for 23 years. That's more than half of my life. I've been with my beautiful avoidant husband. Has it always been easy? No, it has not always been easy. I have several friends who can testify to this. And we've had to navigate some really big issues in our marriage and different levels of comfort with closeness and intimacy. So I hope that that gives you some hope if you're in, and many of you will be because you're listening to this episode, in that anxious avoidant dynamic And I wanted to leave you with some tips for how to navigate when you're in the middle of that negative cycle that I've just described above, different, just some tips for how to work with that. So tip one, as the avoidant, your work is to increase your tolerance for connection, which might look like not retreating when you feel the impulse to But tuning into your partner's deeper emotional need under the need that's being expressed. So you might find that sometimes your partner will express anger, but under the anger, they're really expressing sadness. Okay. Another question to ask for the avoidant person is, what does my partner need right now to feel safe? This is a good one for both. What does my partner need right now to feel safe? How can I move towards them and help them feel safe right now? How can I be a co-regulatory influence in their world? And that's very heart-centered. Yeah, that's calls upon our skill of, of being empathic, being able to stand in their shoes, to understand what they're saying, to really hear it, to really feel it and move forward, move towards. Tip two, this one is for the anxious person. So when your partner pulls away, your tendency is to time travel to a place where people have left you, 
where you've been rejected, where you've been hurt, where you've been uncared for in some way. Your challenge is to give your partner some space while you take care of yourself. So so instead of reaching out for your partner to take care of you, pausing and turning inwards and taking care of the younger parts of you who are needing you right now in this moment of pain. Because those younger parts are in pain. That pain is being triggered by what's happening. So some of you all know this kind of younger parts as inner child work. And I have a short course on inner child work on my website and some meditations that lead you into that process. I've been doing inner child work for 20 years myself. So it really is imbibed with my energy of the energy of someone who really has done that work over 20 years. You'll find it on my website, psychotherapycentral.health. Doing a meditation, going for a walk, talking with someone who loves you, any resource really that helps to bring your nervous system from a state of sympathetic activation, fight or flight, into social engagement. If you've never heard that language before, um, just search up polyvagal theory and it will explain more about the nervous system. Tip three, when you see yourself in that dance, name the cycle with your partner. And that might sound like, ah, we're in that cycle that Jen spoke about in that podcast about the anxious avoidant dynamic. We're doing it right now. I'm desperately feeling like I need to be close to you and I can feel you pulling away. Do you feel that happening too? And just in naming it, taking it from the unconscious patterning into a conscious, okay, this is what we're doing. Do we want to carry on doing this because we know where this spiral ends? Or do we want to take a break now and do something different? Very, very powerful. Tip four, when you realize that you're in a conflict cycle, name it and pause. A sign that you're in a conflict cycle might be defensiveness. It might be that you've stopped listening or that you realize I'm repeating myself. And so the other person has essentially stopped listening. All great reasons to take a pause. So in this episode, we've covered the four steps of the anxious avoidant cycle, how your nervous system plays a role in your responses in this dynamic, if the anxious avoidant relationship can work over time, and four tips for when you find yourself in that negative cycle. If you have any questions about anything you heard today or anything to do with love, attachment and healing trauma, send me a DM through Instagram at psychotherapy.central. And if you like what you heard today, you can really help me out by liking and subscribing. The show notes for today are available on my website, psychotherapycentral.health. We'll also find that course I spoke about um, to work with the inner child. I also have a free course on breaking relationship cycles and healing insecure attachment, which leads into a bigger course called Relationship Cycle Breakers. It's a very 
powerful six-week process that teaches you a lot about insecure attachment and how to heal and how to heal from the threads of trauma that might run through that. So thank you so much for being here and for being part of this community focused on healing. I hope you got some value from that and I hope wherever you are that you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for joining me on this episode. If you want to learn more about all things love, attachment and trauma, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at psychotherapy.central or visit my website at psychotherapycentral.health. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review and a five-star rating. Your support means a lot and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.